You're listening to episode 27, The Power of Pain. Hello, darlings, and welcome to the Wake Up and Show Up podcast with your girl, your host, Portia Scott. This podcast is on a mission to inspire and empower you to take your life off autopilot, optimize the power of your uniqueness, and execute intentionally in every area of your life. Hello, darlings, and welcome to today's episode. February is Black History Month, and this month really highlights the accomplishments and recognizes the roles that Black men and women have had in this country. And this Black History Moment goes to Jacob Lawrence. And I chose Jacob because my six-year-old has picked up drawing and painting, and I wanted to make sure that I showed him a visual of someone who looked like him who was doing the things that he now loves to do. So Lawrence was born on September 7th in 1917 in Atlantic City, New Jersey. He was the eldest child of Jacob and Rosa Lee Lawrence. When Jacob was 12 years old, his mother moved to Harlem, And he enrolled in public school 89, located at 135th Street and Lenox Avenue, and at the Utopia Children's Center, a settlement house that provided an after-school program in arts and crafts for Harlem children. The center was operated at the time by painter Charles Austin, who immediately recognized young Lawrence's talents. Lawrence became the most renowned African-American artist of his time. Known for producing narrative collections like the Migration Series and War Series. He illustrated the African-American experience using vivid colors set against black and brown figures. He also served as a professor of art at the University of Washington for 15 years. At the outbreak of World War II, Lawrence was drafted into the United States Coast Guard. After being briefly stationed in Florida and Massachusetts, he was assigned to be the Coast Guard artist aboard a troop ship, documenting the war experience as he traveled around the world. During this time, he produced close to 50 paintings, but all ended up being lost. When his tour of duty ended, Lawrence received a Guggenheim Fellowship and painted his war series. He was also invited by Joseph Albers to teach the summer session at Black Mountain College in North Carolina. Lawrence's best-known series is The Migration of the Negro, executed in 1940 and 1941. Lawrence was, however, somewhat overwhelmed by his own success and deeply concerned that some of his equally talented Black artists and friends had not achieved a similar success. As a consequence... Lawrence became deeply depressed and in July 1949, voluntarily entered Hillside Hospital in Queens, New York to receive treatment. It was here that he completed the hospital series. His work is considered to be celebratory and said once that his images just deal with the social scene, they're how I feel about things. Jacob Lawrence, we salute you. That last line There, how I feel about things is my entire mood today. So today, my mother was obviously going through old pictures and yearbooks, and she kept sending me pictures of stuff um, from years and years back. And as she was sending them to me, immediately, it sent me into nostalgia. But she sent me an old pay stub from December 18th, 1996. 
I don't even remember that date. Like, I don't remember the details of that date. I mean, I'm sure I received the check and cashed the check. Even right now, I can't even speak to the emotion tied to that particular day. Maybe it was a good day since I received that $202.90 check for working 55.25 hours in a two-week period for a whopping, listen to this, $5 an hour. I think about $5 and then I wonder what 17-year-old Portia was thinking. She was grateful because that was the check before Christmas and your girl likely had Christmas shopping to do. Okay, so I got a little intrigued and I did a little more digging just about that year and I realized that gas at the time was $1.23 per gallon. Jordans were $135. They are like $300 now. I bought my sister a pair, so she better be very thankful because that was literally my whole check then. Now, I know some of you were not born in 1996, but those of you that were, do you even remember what was going on in 1996? I've been racking my mind about this entire day. Like, what was happening in December of 1996? And I have no clue. Who knows? Maybe I was going through a breakup, a crush, concerned about college, self-esteem issues. Who knows? I was driving I was definitely driving because I had just turned 17 uh, that September and I got my driver's license actually when I was 16. So yes, I was definitely driving. I was probably thinking about those friendships that you thought would last forever, prepping for prom and graduation, ready to be in the real world. Listen, y'all, when I worked at this job, I worked my tail off. I mean, I would work double shifts during the weekends and most weekdays. Your girl was out here hustling before hustling was even a thing, before it was a cute thing. I was a cashier at Yassine's and your girl was just working hard for the money. And that's probably when my workaholic tendencies started. Thanks, Yassine's. You already know how you develop work ethic or anything. I talked about this last week. One step, one decision, one answer, one try, one day at a time. And so I guess I could give, I guess if I could give 17-year-old Portia some advice, I would tell her that life isn't linear and you will not always make $5 an hour, my dear. Girl, gas will never be $1.23 a gallon, so be grateful for the $5 fill-up. And if life throws a curveball and you end up making $5 an hour again, It won't be forever. I would remind her that the emotions she is having in this very moment, she won't remember them in 23 years. Honestly, I have spent hours trying to go back to that day with no success. So it tells me that the emotions I had on that day, I likely won't remember them in a couple of days. Even the emotions that I'm having today, I likely won't remember them in a couple of days. Listen to me and listen to me clearly. You know why women can have multiple children even after the immense amount of excruciating pain that one experiences during the childbirth experience? Because once that bugger is out and you have stitches in places that should never know what a needle and thread look like. Oh, and let's not talk about how natural they say breastfeeding is because I don't think there's anything natural about a bleeding nipple and a one-week-old that cannot naturally latch on. Don't make people guilt you into something that isn't working for you. 
I was formula fed and I think I turned out just fine. But that wasn't my point. My point is in all the pain, once you've pushed that baby for the last time and the little one is no longer nursing, you forget. You actually forget the pain. I'd heard people say it before, but it wasn't until I was in that situation that I was like, it is true. Like you honestly forget about the excruciating pain. I can describe the pain, but I don't remember it. I usually describe it as pain going from my back to the front of my stomach with like a belt of nails on it being squeezed really, really tight. There are any men listening to this podcast that have had children, please go to the mother of your children and just tell her how much you love her after you've heard what that pain feels like. So although I can describe it, even thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, that feels like it hurts, but I don't remember the actual feeling of pain. I just know it was painful and I know I can describe it. When the pain is gone, like you completely forget about it. Every week, every time we talk, I'm going to keep pushing you. Pushing you to give birth again, even though it hurts. The reward is priceless. Can I be candid? In one giving week, I go from wanting to give birth to wanting to throw everything away. And honestly, sometimes that is just in the last hour. But I take that advice I would give to 17-year-old Portia. Girl, in a couple of minutes, hours, weeks, months, and years, you won't even remember the emotions you feel right now. But what you will always have is the memory of what you did accomplish. And you can't have that moment of accomplishment without going through the pains of birth. Last week, I had the opportunity to speak at a podcast conference, and I am grateful. I am grateful to you for listening, rating, reviewing, and sharing the podcast. And if you haven't done those things, don't worry. It's not too late. You can go ahead and do it. Go ahead now. Listen, rate, review, and share the podcast with your friends. Thank you for tuning in and supporting your girl. Listen, some weeks I feel like I am in the throes of labor, and some days I feel the soreness of the stitches. Just because you do it doesn't mean it's easy. It just means it's worth it. I'll leave you with this thought. Change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. President Barack Obama. As always, we end every show with this declaration. Waking up is automatic. Showing up is intentional. Today, I will show up. Thanks again for spending time with me and listening to the Wake Up and Show podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you never miss a show. Leave a five-star review and share with a friend or foe. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at I am Portia Scott. Until next time, go impact the world.